This is a public health announcement brought to you by Heather Shepard. The Primal Pioneer. Live an outdoor life. This is the Primal Pioneer Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you achieve optimal health by making radical lifestyle, dietary, and environmental shifts to support forward movement with your health. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, radical health practitioner, gut health specialist, and homeopathic doctor in training. When I was 23 years old, I suffered a TBI, otherwise known as a traumatic brain injury. This shifted my life from a super athletic type A person to being sidelined from physical activity for nearly 12 years. I tried every modality under the sun, desperately yearning, trying, and hoping to get better. It wasn't until I stepped outside of the conventional medical model and even much of the alternative medical model that I saw real lasting progress with my health. After 12 grueling years of searching for my cure, I finally achieved my version of optimal health by deep diving into the areas of the body particularly the mitochondria and emotional energetics that most notably affect and impact our health. Today, I help thousands of people overcome both acute and chronic ailments using my nature and science-based radical approach to health, which targets the most important yet most overlooked aspects of health and wellness. During this episode of The Primal Pioneer, I talk about something most people struggle with today in varying degrees, that is anxiety. For some people, anxiety is a low-grade vibration pulsing through their day fueled by timelines, scheduling, pandemic regulations, and rushing to work. For others, there's great anxiety around health. For others, anxiety has been a constant in their life after a traumatic event. During this episode, I share how anxiety isn't just anxiety. Like all illness, anxiety has a root cause. It's unique to the individual, their life experiences, their genetics, their environment. And as someone who's personally struggled with extreme anxiety throughout my 20s, I've learned some pretty amazing techniques and holistic practices for accessing and clearing root causes of anxiety. During this episode, I reveal my top three holistic go-tos for helping to overcome anxiety despite the degree to which you struggle with this bone-rattling condition. Now, let's dive into the episode to help you access root causes of your anxiety struggles so you can lead a grounded, centered, and more present life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Super stoked to have you here. Before we dive in, I just want to send a big token of appreciation and gratitude to you all. I've been loving the feedback you've been giving me on Instagram and Facebook regarding the Primal Pioneer podcast here. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for your inspiration, your positive feedback, and for your questions. I've been really digging your questions and topics that you'd like addressed on the show. So I I just want to say, hey, I appreciate that. Keep that coming. And as always, if you have a topic you'd like 
me to cover on the show, by all means, feel free to send an email my way or contact me on social media to chat about your question. Always super, super happy to uh, bring those up here on the show. Um, And so today I want to talk about a topic I've struggled with for years. It was a huge issue for me. It was super debilitating for me throughout my 20s, and that is anxiety. At the peak of my anxiety, I was what you would call a total case. (laughs) I was a total basket case. Um, Agoraphobia, fear of leaving the home, right? Fear of elevators, fear of closed spaces, fear of crowds, uh, panic that I wasn't going to be okay, panic that my health was failing, and ultimately that if my health failed, I wouldn't be able to show up in life to help other people heal, which is something that I'm super, super passionate about, right? It's a, it's a big part of my path and purpose. And so at the peak of my anxiety, I was like, oh my gosh, if I can't overcome this, how am I going to help other people? And how am I going to help myself, right? Because I tried so many things to help, you know, get grounded and be calm, you know, meditations and singing bowls and acupuncture. I mean, literally you, you name it. And I likely tried it for my anxiety levels. And so I struggled with really debilitating anxiety for years until I got to a place where I was introduced to other modalities that were actually helpful and that helped me get to the root of my anxiety. So I'm super stoked to to share more about this because I know a lot of people struggle with it. Millions of people struggle with anxiety, especially now with everything going on in the world, COVID, with stay at home, you know, with all uh, of the change and transformation that's going on in our world today. It's very anxiety provoking. If, you know, we weren't already anxious enough before the pandemic, Uh, a lot of people's anxiety levels have really, really skyrocketed now. And so if you're someone out there who struggles with anxiety, I want you to know that there are some really awesome resources and modalities out there to help you access root causes of your anxiety. There are some really great tools out there and resources. However, they're less known and we don't really utilize them. So the whole goal of this episode today is to bring your attention to three of the most effective tools I've found and utilize when it comes to overcoming anxiety. They're the same tools that I use to overcome what you would say and what I would consider an extreme anxiety state. And they're the uh, exact core elements that I use with my clients who are struggling with anxiety as well. So let's dive into these three elements because um, they're going to help you access root causes of anxiety. And just to preface, everybody who struggles with anxiety has it for a reason unique to them. So, you know, this reason could be due to a life event. It could be due to a trauma. It can be triggered by some sort of medication or vaccination or surgery. It's really unique to you and getting to the, to the heart of why you struggle with anxiety, when it started, what was going on in your life at that time, 
these are all ways that I like to assess and deep dive into to really figure out and determine why somebody is struggling with anxiety. So it really depends and varies from person to person. Okay, so so let's get into the three core elements or holistic modalities that I use to help prevent any anxiety attacks in myself. And they're also what I use in my clients who are, are struggling with super extreme anxiety to moderate to low level anxiety. So here we go. Number one is homeopathy. And this is one of the most effective holistic approaches to anxiety that I have found. For those of you unfamiliar with the practice of homeopathy, I'm going to give you a little snapshot uh, synopsis here of what it is, how it works, and how it's super helpful to overcoming anxious states. So a homeopathic doctor prescribes uh, what's called a homeopathic remedy to help remove root emotional and physical patterns in the body. And these patterns can develop from trauma, they can develop from grief, loss, um, they can be inherited patterns, they can develop from prescription drugs or an intense acute illness or vaccinations. Those are some of the core driving factors behind not only anxiety, but poor health as well. So Pathology manifests in the body as we're exposed to germs, toxins, or traumas, or due to something we have simply inherited genetically, a pattern, a miasm. So the more exposures that one has to these things, so let's say you've had a vaccination and then you got strep throat reoccurring throughout your life and you had to take a lot of antibiotics and then you had a big trauma because somebody you really loved died or maybe you know something traumatic happened to you and then you know this whole cascade starts and continues and it's basically how we go through our life now the more of those exposures we've had without addressing and removing those layers the sicker one is and the longer it's going to take to make a full recovery once the appropriate and correct healing plan is put in place. Now, I want to say that in in most cases or in many cases, overcoming your physical and emotional ailments is absolutely possible in many to most cases when you're able to get to the root cause. However, until we're able to get there, there's always going to be this block or bump along the healing path. Now, just to give you a little idea here, and because I practice homeopathy and I'm in training to become a homeopathic doctor, I want to give you some background here because the intake that a homeopathic doctor engages with with their client and patient is, is drastically different than the one, say, a Western medicine doc will engage in. Uh, it involves a lot of the emotions and into revealing and getting to these deeper layers and patterns um, to help them get a clear picture as to the root cause and causes of the uh, issue the client's struggling with. So the, the homeopathic doctor is going to ask the patient many detailed questions, right? You know, you go into the Western doc, what are they asking you? You know, you got any pain here? They'll, they'll tap your knee and see how your reflex is there or, you know, any complaints, uh, take your blood pressure, 
you know, say, uh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty much the extent of it, you know, besides their, their blood panels and whatnot. But the question asking in the Western medical field is totally crap. They don't dive deep. They don't have an understanding of what's really going on with the client by, by their failure to uh, dive deep and ask questions because really we get our answers as to how to treat someone by asking questions. So the homeopathic doctor asks the patients many detailed questions to get to the bottom of why the individual is suffering and will prescribe what's called a remedy, a homeopathic remedy to help not only alleviate, but remove the pattern that's fueling the root cause of the issue. And I want to give you a, a couple examples here, a couple of different examples with regard to anxiety. So you can get a feel as to um, why should I approach my anxiety in a different way than, than somebody else? And what's the importance here? And what's it going to do for me? So I want to give you a couple of examples here just so you can get a feel of not only how to approach anxiety and why it's so important to do so in this individualistic way, but often we think of anxiety as just like this panic-ridden state that we want to get out of. It's like, just I'll, I'll do whatever I can to avoid feeling anxious. And so we, we often fear our anxiety so much that we'll literally do things opposite of what will fuel or feed our anxiety. So like, for example, if you get really anxious in driving in a car, then you'll do whatever it takes to avoid driving in a car. Or if you totally fear going hiking alone, you'll do whatever it takes to hike with other people. Or if you totally fear going out to eat at a restaurant, with a whole bunch of people, you'll do whatever it takes to avoid going out to the restaurant with a big group of people, right? And so I'm not telling you to avoid the things you're, you're anxious about. Like, why would you continuously go into a state that makes you super anxious? And a lot of people say, oh, go into the places that, that hurt, you know, that put a little salt in your wound, that, that are a struggle. And, you know, we have to find a balance and a fine line here because if literally driving in your car fuels a heightened anxiety state, you're not only putting yourself in, in danger and causing this fight or flight response, but you're putting everybody else on the road at stake as well. Like what if you literally start hyperventilating and need to pull over, you can't pull over, you know, it can be in some cases extreme. And so there's ways to work with this. If you struggle with really high anxiety levels, it's important to know that one, you're not alone. Two, there's ways to work with it. And it's not about simply avoiding the task. However, that could be the very best option while you're at a peak anxiety state. But it's about getting to the root issue and really discovering, okay, hey, why am I actually feeling this way? Let's get to the bottom of this. And then how can I start to work with this from a root place? So I don't have to go through life using this avoidance approach because when we go through life in the avoidance approach for, um, you know, just general things like, you know, pe some people don't want to walk down a street because they get, they get anxious if they're in a big crowd, right? So how can we, we work with this so you can be in life, you can show up to life 
without being incapacitated or get rapid heartbeat or get super irritable and cranky and anxious, you know, when you're engaging in these things. So let's take a look at, I'm going to give a couple of cases here or examples of um, anxiety. One's going to be me and one's going to be someone who's near and dear to my heart, a family member who struggled with some pretty intense anxiety. And, and hopefully this will help give you a clear picture as to, hey, uh, uh, why am I having anxiety? Hopefully it'll, it'll stimulate and, and trigger you in a positive way to think more deeply like, hey, there's not actually something wrong with you. You just haven't gotten to the root of your anxiety if you're still struggling with it. And there's a lot of uh, answers for you and possibly some, some deeper dives you can take into your own personal experience. And if you really struggle with anxiety, I would highly advise you to reach out to someone for support because it can be so relieving, so insightful, so incredibly healing just to reach out and share your story about anxiety. And then uh, hopefully some of these, these three uh, elements I'm sharing with you here today into your life to help you approach anxiety from a root place. Always reach out to, to me if you're called to do so, and we can always tackle your anxiety from uh, using these three elements in a really individualistic way. Okay, so we're talking about homeopathy, and here's the first uh, example uh, of an anxiety case. Okay, so there's an anxiety-ridden patient that expresses literally really severe symptoms of anxiety, fear of crowds, fear of elevators, fear of flying, fear of death, fear of being alone. And during the intake, the homeopathic doctor evaluates when these fears began, right? You always want to go back and say, okay, when did these start? What was happening in my life at that time or, you know, a few months prior to that time or several months prior to, right? So these are things we need to address. So in this case, uh, the particular client was me, unfortunately, but that was my experience 18 years ago. And the anxiety when I reflected in, on this it didn't begin until I experienced a traumatic event. So I had a, a car accident in my very early 20s. I was knocked unconscious. I was trapped in my car. I literally couldn't get out. The door was smashed in. Um, I was sitting in a ditch and it was filled with water. And I had hit an electrical pole and the wires came down into the water. So... Um, I literally couldn't, even if I could get out of my car, I couldn't get out of my car because I likely would have been electrocuted. This was a, a very extreme situation. I was knocked unconscious. I was trapped in the car. Um, I was alone. Um, I was in a, a relationship that I was trying to save that was already down the tubes. And I was at a job that I didn't like. So all of these factors really have to be taken into consideration. If we look back on on my anxiety about you know fear of being in small small places and being claustrophobic and you know the inability to get out of a you know an airplane an elevator a crowded space you know that trauma that I experienced in the car accident 
after the car accident, these anxieties about these things just continued to escalate. And at the time, in my early 20s, I didn't really associate it with, hey, it was because I was trapped in my car and I have a lot of trauma there and my fight or flight got really heightened. And, you know, I, I didn't go back and, and weed it out like that until years later. Um, so this is one anxiety picture that was fueled by a traumatic event. Not everybody's anxiety is going to be fueled by a traumatic event. Some people's absolutely, but not everybody's, okay? So the way one would approach this case is going to be different than, say, the next case I um, uh, outline and share with you because this is really related to trauma. It's related to being trapped in closed places, fear of closed places, claustrophobia, fear of flying, etc. So like if there's literally a homeopathic remedy for for anything. There's so many, um, they're always being created and, uh, hopefully there's going to be one. I, I know there will be, and, and uh, hopefully I'll have a hand in this of creating one to antidote the effects of EMFs and, and 5G. Um, I just did a blog post on that. So feel free to head over to my site, heathershepherd.com, go to the blog section and you'll, you'll see one on energetic medicine for approaching things like EMFs and whatnot, but that might be insightful for any of you out there who, who resonate with this topic and are looking for ways to antidote EMFs and 5G, etc. But in in this particular case of mine, right, there there are several different remedies that could have been prescribed. And they're usually, depending on how deep the pathology is, it will might require one or two or you know several different remedies and in varying strengths right so uh typically you wouldn't provide a high strength uh homeopathic to say a toddler versus um you know an adult you know we have to take these things into consideration before just taking any homeopathic we have to nail down which which one uh, is specific to your causes. So, you know, there, there are two remedies that I actually took for my particular case, which was super, super helpful. Um, one of which was aconite, and that's just a classic homeopathic remedy for trauma, um, fear of elevators, fear of flying, fear of, of crowds and being trapped. Um, and it, it, that especially occur after trauma. There's, there's a few other remedies and a couple other that I've taken, but aconite can be really helpful for that. And so, you know, if you go to your Western doctor, if you go into Walgreens or CVS and you're anxious and you're like, hey, where's the anti-anxiety medication? You go and you pick one off the shelf. That's not going to do you any good because it's going to push your symptoms down deeper. So maybe you take the anxiety medicine, but then you start to have eczema or you start to have hives or you start to have blood sugar issues or your sleep becomes compromised. It's because you haven't got to the root of the issue. And we really need to take the why behind your, your struggle with anxiety into consideration just before throwing any old remedy, whether that's holistic or whether that's allopathic onto the picture. It's all about getting the right thing, protocol, remedy for you. So why do you have anxiety? I 
struggled with anxiety for years throughout my 20s due to a traumatic event. Um, and so when we start to go through that, that we see, you know, how specific my anxiety is. And, and I'd invite you to do the same, like, hmm, what's driving your anxiety? Like, go through that picture and get specific about it. It can be um, relieving and then then reach out to someone and share it with a with a professional, with someone who could help you, whether that's me or somebody else you trust or somebody else you're working with. Um, it's really, really important to do that to get to the root of why you're struggling with it yourself. Okay, so let's get into the second case study around anxiety that I'm going to share with you here today. So there was an, another anxiety case that I have. This was a family member of mine who is so near and dear to my heart. But this is a really interesting case because this child started to have anxiety and um, uh, certain physical and emotional symptoms present after they had, uh, he had malaria. And then, um, you know, he was in Africa, didn't have access to things like homeopathy at the time, or, you know, other uh, forms of treatment uh, that, that were natural, helpful, got to the root of his malaria, right? They, they didn't have access to that. Um, so it got so bad that he was taken to the hospital and they gave him the standard of care treatment for malaria. And these drugs are really intense. If you're someone out there who has had malaria, who's taken malaria meds or drugs, and or, or maybe you know someone who has, or maybe you have a child who has, um, these are really intense drugs that I, I won't say 100%, but I'll say 99.9% .9 of the time will fuel another deeper pathology, will drive the person into a deeper pathology after taking them. A lot of medications do this. Malaria is a really, really strong one that will do this as well. Um, there was a noticeable difference, a noticeable shift in the child's emotional behavior starting right around three to four months after the drugs. And this is this can be typical. Like it doesn't have to be, oh, the next day the child's acting different and has made this extreme behavioral or physical shift. It could take, you know, three or four months for the the individual, the child, the adult, after they've taken a medication. Uh, gotten a vaccine, uh, taken an, an a strong antibiotic, for different symptoms to be to clearly present. So this doesn't have to be oh like the next day here's the symptoms. Usually they don't happen like that. Sometimes they do. It depends on the health and the strength of the the, the individual. But typically it can take a few to several months for the actual symptom pattern to shift to a noticeable degree. So about three or four months after the child took the malaria medication, there was a noticeable shift in behavioral, emotional patterns, even physical health states. So he started to get anxiety in social settings. And, you know, the kid's not going to say this. He doesn't really notice this, but you can pick up on it just by observing him. And, and I could because you know, we, I, I'm his family, we we're in close proximity. So, you know, people would come over to the house and he'd be, you know, like hiding behind the, the wall, kind of peeking, peeking uh, throughout the doorway to see, hey, is, is it safe to come out? And then he'd run back into his room. So, you know, there was this social anxiety that, that started and, 
you know, we'd say, hey, we're going to go to the river and, you know, go play. We're going to go down to the ocean. And he'd be like, okay, now, now who's going to be there? And, and how many people? And, and so, you know, we started asking questions like this. And you could tell that there was this, this social anxiety starting. And, and so this continued to build. It, it continued to get um, more noticeable. It continued to uh, impact his life more and more. And he became more and more sensitive to disharmonies in the home. So anytime the family moved or the parents had, a, a, you know, even a minor fight, uh, or this was a really interesting one, when, when the mother would go to throw something away in the home, he would be like, what? don't throw that away. You know what? We, we need to keep that. And so there was this very sentimental attachment to things and there would be a very extreme emotional response if, if anything was thrown away, even if it didn't belong to him. So these were things that started to occur. And then when the, when the child would get triggered, he would act out in more and more in extreme ways. So he'd have tantrums and screaming and kicking and and he was he was literally like a, a ticking a ticking time bomb. So he was pretty shut down emotionally, especially this uh, gradually increased this emotional shutdown after the malaria medication. But he would just bottle all of his emotions up into this this point where he would get so anxious, so overcome with emotion that he would have tantrums and he would start start shaking and literally it would be like you know, when the top boils off of the kettle and it would just be this real big breakdown and tantrum and outburst. So this anxiety, these behavioral patterns really started to kick in after the malaria medication incident. And so really the malaria wasn't really addressed at all. It's still in the system, right? It's just suppressed by the drugs. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's, it's still there. And the drugs pushed it down into a different layer, uh, a deeper layer. And this triggered higher anxiety states, social anxiety, sensitivities to the environment. Um, and then these bottled up emotions that he couldn't keep in any longer. They would just come out like a tantrum and he'd be literally, you know, shaking on the ground. So over time, more physical symptoms came in. Also, he began to be hyper allergic to, to certain foods. He developed like fish allergies and this anxiety around eating. So once he thought he had a fish allergy, he, he started to put, you know, common allergens in, into his diet, like nuts. And he'd be like, I think my, I think my mouth is swelling up. I, I probably shouldn't eat that. I shouldn't eat that. Or are you cutting fish? You can't cut fish in my house. I can't, I, you can't bring fish in, you know? So this like anxiety state, and this is such a young age, right? Um, the kid was five, six, seven, when these anxieties really, you know, started and, and then it just progressed over time. For those of you ready to harness the healing potential stored in AM sunlight, for those of you inspired to restore healthy brain chemistry and neurotransmitter function, all of which are necessary to overcoming anxiety states, I invite you to pick up a copy of the Sunlight RX ebook. The Sunlight RX teaches you in four simple steps how to improve vitamin D levels, melatonin, dopamine, 
serotonin levels. You'll learn how to maintain healthy thyroid function and optimal digestive health simply by following my four-step approach outlined in the Sunlight RX. After just one month of committing to the Sunlight RX, I began to see noticeable, dramatic, positive shifts in my anxiety levels. By month three of my Sunlight RX practice, my anxiety levels were virtually non-existent. To get a copy and start practicing as soon as the next sunrise, head over to my site, scroll down the homepage, and you'll see where you can purchase the Sunlight RX ebook. Now, let's head back to the episode all about accessing root causes of anxiety. So this cause of anxiety, you can see, is a very different cause from my anxiety that was was driven by a traumatic situation. This case was more so driven by an exposure to an acute pathogen that was treated with a prescription drug that was super strong. And that started this whole cascade of negative health symptoms. This case would require a different homeopathic remedy to address the different symptoms that presented in this case. So like, for example, I gave him homeopathic nap myrrh and he grabbed, this is a very deep acting remedy and he gradually got better over time and uh, got to a more relaxed state, a more grounded state, uh, was more uh, emotionally open. Uh, shared his feelings more. The the stuffing the emotions in uh, became less and less over time. And the anxiety in social settings, it was like he was a a totally new person, and you know would greet people at the door after <laughs> after uh, this remedy. So the point of my examples here are number one, you can't treat every anxiety case the same way. Anxiety, like all diseases, have a reason specific to the individual and their experiences. And once the causes have been revealed, homeopathics can be exceptional resources to address and remove root causes of anxiety issues, anxiety states, in a way that gets to the root. It's really individual to the person's own experience with anxiety. Okay, let's dive into number two, which is the Sunlight RX. Now, sunlight has very potent physiological effects on the body. Um, I'm sure those of you who have listened to the podcast for some time are really grasping this, getting to know this, uh, and all these awesome benefits of sunlight. But I'm going to focus in on the benefits it has with regard to overcoming anxiety here in this episode. Um, and, and one main thing is it drives all of our hormonal signaling. It drives our metabolism right. Um, but it also drives the firing of specific brain chemicals and neurochemicals and neurotransmitters in our brain. And honestly, I had no idea that sunlight could could practically cure my anxiety until I experienced it firsthand. So despite your reason for struggling with anxiety, sunlight is going to be a great benefit to most anxiety cases unless 
there's, say, photophobia, sun sensitivity, fear of sunlight, then that's something that first needs to be addressed with homeopathy to help remove some of those fears and phobias and, and triggers. But in most cases, the Sunlight RX is going to be a really potent and effective support to all anxiety cases. Of course, we need to dig into the root cause of your anxiety case uh, and and remove that. But this is this the Sunlight RX will help because it's going to change the way your brain fires and your brain patterning and the neurotransmitters that certain spectrums of sunlight stimulate. That was like a tongue twister right there. <laughs> um, so. The reason why why sunlight's so super supportive to overcoming anxiety is because it's it does stimulate the firing of anti-anxiety neurotransmitters and neurochemicals. And some of these include dopamine, serotonin, beta endorphin, POM C. Okay, all of these molecules and neurotransmitters that are triggered literally fueled when you're exposed to certain spectrums of sunlight. Literally, nature designed you to interact with sunlight so you could be exposed to the chemical signals that it triggers, that it stimulates, and have a huge dose of these feel-good chemicals every day. And these chemicals not only make you feel good and stimulate feelings of well-being and positivity, um, but they also are very uh, supportive and necessary for peristalsis, which is how your food moves down the track and you produce a bowel movement. So the brain and the gut are so intertwined and connected by that vagus nerve. And these chemicals that drive these two, the functioning of these two important areas, the brain and the gut, are really largely dependent on the uh, firing of your neurochemicals and your neurotransmitters. Now, when I started improving my light environment, I was mitigating artificial light and getting outside in sunlight more and more. I thought that I'd just simply be outside more, enjoying being outside more. I'd be off my computer more. I'd be in nature more because I live in places surrounded by nature. It's so important to me. It's my healing process to my soul. I'm not someone who could just live in, you know, downtown St. Louis or, you know, downtown Portland. I'm not, I'm not a downtown, you know, kind of person in that way. I need to live in nature. So when I started to improve my light environment, getting away from artificial light, being outside more, like I literally thought I would just get an awesome dose of nature every day and um, be outside more, which is something that's super, super important to me. But something big happened that I wasn't expecting. My anxiety levels sharply and noticeably dropped. And this actually was the original motivating factor behind my Sunlight RX protocol and why I created it because I had such mind-blowing success with the Sunlight RX and my anxiety levels that I was like, oh my gosh, people need to, to have this information. They need to learn the Sunlight RX and help to help support their anxiety levels, right? But the more and more I did it, and then the more I got my clients into it, my clients were outside doing it and sunbathing and, you know, getting their, their skin in sunlight and being 
naked as a, a baby in sunlight and then their cancer markers going down and their depression you know, levels going down and their digestion improving, I was like, oh my gosh, there is something really big going on here. And so this had a huge dramatic impact on my anxiety levels. And I, I never considered it possible. I didn't even connect the dots with, oh, you know, sunlight exposure is going to bring my, my panic states down dramatically. I never, never thought that way, but that's exactly what happened. So I'm going to talk about the Sunlight RX here just a little bit and how I used it to overcome my anxiety or at least drastically help reduce my anxiety states. So those of you familiar with the four, with the Sunlight RX know that there are four steps to this protocol. And if you haven't yet got a copy of the Sunlight RX ebook, hop over to my site, heathershepherd.com and you know, just go scroll down the homepage, you'll see a place to purchase it. I would highly recommend it, especially if you struggle with anxiety, but really any chronic health condition. But literally, uh, step one and two are the steps I found most important for overcoming anxiety. Now, step one, as you learned in last episode, is all about getting your booty out of bed to watch the sunrise. So literally step one of the Sunlight RX is sunrise. You wanna get out there and watch the sunrise with as much skin as you can in the sun, especially your eyes in the sun. Take your contacts out, your glasses off, your sunglasses off, get out there and get uh, sunrise light. This light is predominantly red, okay? During this time of day and this red light Plus, just a little bit of blue starts to program your cells. So when you get to step two of the Sunlight RX, your neurotransmitters are pre-programmed. So red light literally pre-programs the neurotransmitters, the aromatic amino acids to start to fire when you get into step two of the Sunlight RX, okay? And so you need your cells to be pre-programmed with this red light in order for those neurotransmitters to function and fire as they get activated in step two of the Sunlight RX. So when your feel-good neurotransmitters are pre-programmed with red light, you get out there to step two in your Sunlight RX, then the neurotransmitters are active, they're firing, you're pumping out serotonin, dopamine, beta-endorphin, POMC, you're doing this like a champ, you're winning, seriously. When you do this, your brain will literally start to fire in a new way, in a way that fuels this calmness, but you're alert, this groundedness, this centeredness. You're gonna, over time, you'll feel, feel more positive feelings. You'll have more of an upbeat mood. This is a super effective tool, literally a gift from nature that's practically free to everyone on the planet that helps you overcome anxiety because it literally trains your brain to fire differently in a healthier way. It programs the neurotransmitters to function and fire, which is really a huge part of overcoming anxiety as well as so many other conditions like depression. Okay, so let's get into number three, which is all about the breath. It's specifically about exhaling. 
And so last episode, I started to talk a little bit more about breath work. Breath work is so, so important to our picture of health and really achieving your version of optimal health. Poor breathing fuels not only anxiety, but pretty much all modern diseases today, even things we don't even think about like emphysema, asthma, scoliosis, allergies, all of these can be fueled by poor breathing. So poor breathing fuels anxiety and literally makes the anxiety-driven patient or person feel worse. If you think about being in an anxious state, how do you feel like the breath goes? Not well. It's like you're hyperventilating, right? So anxious people, asthmatics, These people are chronic mouth breathers. Most people are, but if we just are focusing in on today for the purpose of this episode, those who are anxious, um, and I'm I'm going to bring in asthmatics here because it's in a way a form of anxiety when you get to that hyperventilated state. These individuals tend to be chronic mouth breathers. Anxiety states tend to include shallow mouth breaths, right? (laughs) You can't catch your breath, right? And they put us into this state of hyperventilation. When we breathe too frequently and when we breathe through our mouth, we're breathing too much. We're literally over breathing. And this increases heart rate, it increases inflammation levels, it increases stress, it puts us into that fight or flight response. Our cells can't utilize oxygen efficiently and we become hypoxic. What is cancer? hypoxia. Our cells are hypoxic, right? What if you could start to prevent or reverse cancer by simply um, shifting to being a nose breather and not a mouth breather? This is something that I'm just starting to teach my private clients about. I think there's big juju here. So the trick to preventing anxiety is training yourself how to become a nose breather, even when you sleep. Literally, People are buying sleep apnea. It's called sleep apnea tape. They're placing it over their mouth. There's different varieties of this. Some is really uncomfortable. Some is really irritating to the skin, while other is you you can't even really feel it too much across your mouth. But they're literally putting this over their mouth, sleep apnea patients or chronic mouth breathers, and they're sleeping like this to retrain their body, their system, their pathways, how to be a nose breather. There's other ways you can do this. If you're panicked, if that puts you into anxiety, thinking about taping your mouth at night, you know, by all means, don't do it. There's other ways, you know, to work with this. There's certain breathwork techniques that you can use to help train you into becoming more of a nose breather versus a mouth breather. The trick to preventing anxiety is training yourself how to become a nose breather. And even when you sleep, okay, if you can, if you're not into the tape thing, then simply do some nose breathing um, before bed and throughout your day, and this should start to help in big ways. Also, the anxiety-ridden person, I would really encourage you to focus on your exhale as well. So most people, they have too big of an inhale, and then they hold their breath, And then we have teensy tiny exhales, right? 
Um, this happens in sleep apnea. We can't, you know, we start to choke on our, uh, on our, we just start choking in the middle of the night because we don't have enough air. Literally, we've taken in too much air. We haven't exhaled enough, which causes this sleep apnea state. There's even something now, I think they call it email apnea because people are checking their email, they're working from home, they're doing their things on their computer, and they're literally in a sleep apnea state during the day while they're on their emails or checking their phones because they get into that almost this different like brainwave pattern where their mind is a little dull um, because they're focused on a screen and they're, they get the, the jaw drop in their mouth and they become mouth breathers. They're not exhaling fully or, or efficiently. And this is now literally called email apnea. So Extending the exhale actually improves the amount of oxygen that the cells and tissues can utilize. I'm going to give you just a couple of techniques here that I use when it comes to helping to improve uh, my exhale to prevent anxiety. And you can even use these in the middle of a panic attack situation to help calm you down and um, to help get more grounded. So one of one of these that I like, and I shared this one in in the last episode as well, is one of my favorites because you focus a lot on the exhale. So basically, you inhale in, and when you've got to the peak of your inhale, you start to exhale. But in your exhale, you're counting to ten, and you start counting to ten, you know, vocally in a soft vocal, right? So you start counting to 10 in a soft vocal, then you get to a whisper, and then you go to the point where you're just mouthing it until you have to take another inhale. So this could sound something like you inhale, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. And then you start to mouth it until you're out of breath. You inhale and you repeat that cycle. Repeat that cycle at least 10 times if you can do it. 20, 30, you know, as many as you can. Great. It focuses on the exhale, which is super key to overcoming anxiety, to preventing anxiety. And really, it's a, it's a huge key to decreasing inflammation in the body and overcoming all chronic disease. So that's one that I practice several times a day. It's one that I highly recommend. Um, if you're in the middle of an anxiety attack, you can try this. Now, the, the a healthy breathing pattern, always through the nose, okay, is about five, somewhere between five and six, 5.5 seconds. Inhale through the nose and about 5.5 to six. Exhale, you know, mouth or nose. Play around with both, okay? And so if you're in just, you know, you're going through your regular day, Maybe you're at the grocery store. Maybe you're just sitting under a tree and relaxing. You're doing your sunlight RX. You can do any of these breathwork exercises, but focusing on that about 5.5, six second inhale, 5.5, six second exhale, that's a really great way to train yourself to be more of a nose breather, but it also reduces heart rate. It's a really great cardiac toning uh, method. It's calming. It's great for the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's one that I would recommend if you're in an anxiety attack. You're right in the middle of one. You know, focus on uh, about a five, four to five second inhale, 
Okay, and, and go slow. You know, you don't want this to be a panic. You're trying to overcome panic, so you want it to be a slower breath. And then go for a long exhale. 10 seconds if you can. More than 10 seconds if you can. But if you can at least get to 10 seconds. So 4 to 5.5 second inhale. And then at least a 10 second exhale. Really, really can be helpful when you're in a state of anxiety. Now, that's one that I actually even do for preventative measures. If I'm doing some kind of a meditation or if I'm just doing some breathing exercises, that's one that I'll, I'll often focus on is a shorter inhale around four seconds and a longer exhale for as long as I can. And you never want to be like, you know, grasping for the next breath. You want it to always be gentle. Okay, and, and for anxiety purposes, at least in these examples I gave you today, you want it slow. So you want it slow and you want it um, gentle. Okay, when it comes to anxiety, know that you're not alone and know that there are amazing tools and holistic modalities to help you rectify root causes and triggers of your anxiety. Utilizing the power of AM sunlight, homeopathy, and breath work are the main ways I help prevent and approach anxiety in myself and with my clients as well. These have proven to be highly effective in even the most intense anxiety states. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I hope this episode was an eye-opening and inspiring show regarding anxiety and how to approach it from a root place. For years, I struggled with anxiety to a debilitating degree. I tried literally hundreds of modalities to try and rectify my anxiety levels. However, it wasn't until I incorporated the Sunlight RX, homeopathy, and breath work into my life that I saw dramatic shifts in my anxiety levels. So if you're feeling hopeless about your anxiety, know there are answers and options for you out there. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could take one minute to rate and review. Each review helps more and more people just like you learn the deeper truths about health, healing, the limitations of dietary trends, and unveils the deeper truths behind what's actually driving our epidemic rates of poor health today. Don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on your IG stories, and tag me at sunlight underscore rx. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next week. The Primal Pioneer podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease in the Western medical sense or terms. It is to be used for educational and informational purposes only. The information shared on this podcast and all of Heather Shepard's work is not a form of diagnostic medicine, nor is it a medical treatment. Heather Shepard is a health educator, radical health practitioner, and a trained EMF specialist. And although she has a bachelor's in science and master's education in alternative medicine, she is not a medical doctor and does not give medical advice. Her work and sharing is to be used for informational and educational purposes only.